So we're continuing with our Just As series, a series of statements made by the Lord Jesus saying, just as, um, just as I or just as my father. And as we've been saying, it's a comparison, isn't it? It's um, comparing how the son is or how the father is to how often we are or um, Jesus' disciples are. And so the, the statement for, for this week's uh, talk is from John chapter 17. And we're considering the idea that just as Jesus was not of this world, um, it's the same with us as his followers. So we'll read first John chapter 17 and beginning at verse 13. It says, this is Jesus speaking in prayer to his father. I'm coming to you now, but I say these things while I'm still in the world, so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. I've given them your word, and the world has hated them, for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you have sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them I sanctify myself, that they too may be truly sanctified. And then just flicking over to John 20. It's kind of a two-in-one this week. We've got another just our statement which links to the one that we've, we've just read. So John 20 and beginning at verse 19. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. So we've got two uh, just our statements in there. Um, we've got Jesus saying that just as he was not of this world, so we are not of, it, of this world. And then in, in the chapter 20 passage, um, Jesus says, just as the Father has sent me, um, I am sending you. So two different aspects, uh, which are linked, of course, and related to each other, but we'll, we'll consider both of them this morning. So beginning with the John chapter 17 passage. Um, verse 16 says, They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. So not strictly speaking, the just as phrase in, in the NIV reading. Um, if you want the just as word for word, you have to go to the NASB or the New King James Version or the ESV, they have, um, they have it translated as just as. Um, there's actually a, a very good translation in the New Living Translation of these verses. Um, it translates verse 16 as, they do not belong to the world any more than I do. So that's similar to the wording that we see in verse 14, where Jesus said, they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. And that's really a, a great way of summarizing what we're thinking about with these just as statements it's um, to the same extent that Jesus is something so, so we are that's really what we're thinking about when we when we think of these just as statements 
So Jesus said, they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. And then in verse 18, the other just as statement, um, Jesus says, as you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. So again, um, no just as in the NIV, but the NASB has just as you sent me. But the meaning is the same, isn't it? It's Jesus saying that in the same way that he was sent by God, so he's sending us, his followers, into the world. So, two aspects for us to consider then. The first thing to say is that we, as disciples of the Lord Jesus, are not of this world, but rather we belong to God. So we'll look at that a bit more and we'll think of what it means and what the implications are for us in our lives. So we're not of this world, but then the second aspect is we've been sent into the world. So although we do not belong to the world, it's clear from Jesus' words that there's work for us to do in the world. So we could say that we're God's representatives in the world. So, not of this world to begin with. Jesus says, they are not of the world, even as I am not of it. So who's they? That's the first thing that we have to consider. Well, it's clear from the the context. um, This is a prayer that Jesus is making for his disciples. So they is the disciples. And we can include ourselves in that, can't we? Um, Earlier in the same prayer, Jesus makes it clear that his followers are separate from the world. If we go up further in the chapter to verse 6, Jesus says, I have revealed you, that's the Father, to those whom you gave me out of the world. They were yours. You gave them to me and they have obeyed your word. So we have that expression, out of the world. It's as though we've been removed or separated from those who are of the world. And then in verse 9, Jesus says, I'm not praying for the world, but for those you have given me. So Jesus makes it very clear that there's a distinction between his disciples and those that he's been given and the world. So we have this separation straight away. Um, Those who are considered not of this world, Jesus' disciples are of God and they belong to God. So what does it mean to be of the world? What does that expression actually mean? Well, we could maybe say it's where you come from. Um, We could say it's the sense of of being born. So if you're born of your mother. Um, Being of the world, it could be a sense of belonging. So perhaps you could say a part of the body belongs to the body and it's of the body. Um, It could be to be a member of something. Um, you could say a soldier of an army is, is a member or it could be to have an affinity with in Manchester you might be a red or a blue a United or a City fan and you could say you are of one team of the other so just a few uh, examples of what it could mean to be of the world um, and to some extent all of those are, are relevant to what we're thinking of today and the idea of being of the world incorporates all of those to, to an extent But there's a verse in Philippians chapter 3 and verse 20, which um, we're probably a bit familiar with. It gives us a helpful way of looking at this idea of being of the world. It speaks about the idea of citizenship. It says, our citizenship is in heaven and we eagerly await a saviour from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. So that idea of citizenship is helpful for us as we consider what it means to be not of the world. 
but we're citizens of heaven instead, aren't we? So then what does it mean for us to be a citizen? Um, I've picked out five things that, it, that could be related to it. It's usually, but not always, where you come from or where you're born. There's usually an affinity with the country that you're a citizen of, and you have an affinity with your fellow citizens. So it's a sense of belonging. And you want the, the country that you're a citizen of to prosper, and you share aspirations and values with other citizens. And broadly speaking, again, not always, but as a broad thing to say, there's a common morality between citizens of the same place. There's a dependence. To a certain extent, as a citizen of a country, your well-being is tied to the well-being of that country. You depend on it for things like government and, and um, social services and all those kinds of things. There are benefits to being a citizen. You're entitled to, to money or health care or, or law enforcement, all those kinds of things. And then finally, there's a sense of duty. If you're a citizen of a country, and as we've said, your well-being is linked to that country... You take an interest in how things are being done, how things are, are run, perhaps in a political sense or even in a military sense, or just contributing to society in some way. So as a citizen, you have that sense of, of contributing and a sense of duty. So how does that line up with us then? If we're disciples of the Lord Jesus and we're thinking about this idea of being in the world or citizens of the world or of heaven, how does that line up with us? So firstly, where, where you come from, where you're born. Well, I think all of us can say that we were born in the world in, in the physical sense. So in that sense, we could say we're of the world. But the Bible tells us that for believers, there's a rebirth, this idea of being born again. And many of us, perhaps in the church, are familiar with that concept of being born again. It was something, though, that was baffling to Nicodemus, as we read in, in the New Testament. Um, we read that in John chapter 3 and verse 1 to 7 the account of, of Nicodemus being told he had to be born again so verse 1 of John chapter 3 says now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus who was a member of the Jewish ruling council he came to Jesus at night and said Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God for no one can perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him Jesus replied, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born when they are old? Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. So, as those who have accepted Jesus as their saviour and received the Holy Spirit as, as part of that, we have been born again. And we're, we've gone through that rebirth that Jesus speaks about in that passage. So it's not a physical rebirth, it's a spiritual rebirth. But it's because of this that um, we can have any chance of understanding the things of the Spirit and the things of God. The Bible tells us that. It says that not everyone who hears... Um, the word of God will understand it. And not everyone will, will comprehend the things of God, but only those to whom God reveals them. 
So we as born-again believers are born of the Spirit. And this just gives us that capacity to know God, to know something of God's character and to understand the things of God. So the question for us who have, who have accepted Jesus and, and professed to be uh, born-again believers, do we think of ourselves as born of the Spirit? Do we allow the Holy Spirit to teach us and to reveal to us in our lives the things of God? So, in that sense, we're not of this world. We're, we're born again. We're born of the Spirit. And affinity with fellow citizens was another thing we considered. If you're, um, if you're a citizen of a country, as we said, you have an affinity, um, lots in common perhaps with those who are, are fellow citizens. So the question for us there is, do we share the same values, aspirations, morals as, for example, our co-workers or um, non-Christian friends or our local communities or society as a whole? Do we have those things in common that uh, make us a citizen? Do we have those aspirations, morals, values in common? I think we can say that there'll be an overlap, but perhaps there are certain significant differences as well. Um, in our passage, in our John 17 passage, in verse 14, Jesus said in prayer, I have given them your word and the world has hated them. So if we clash with the world on things like values and morals and aspirations, it's evidence that we're not of this world. So if we're saying that we're not of this world and we're citizens of heaven, we should expect these clashes. We should expect these differences of opinion and differences in values. John 15 and 19 says, it's um, Jesus speaking again, If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. So, citizens of the same place have that affinity, those shared values, shared morals. And I think we can all say that we, we see a conflict when we, we uh, talk with those who are not believers, there are things which we just can't agree on, things which we will always clash on. And as, a, as we say, it's, it's evidence that there is a difference there, um, evidence that perhaps we are not of this world after all. So it's the challenge again for us to consider those things and to think, are we going to come down on the side of the world or on the side of God? So thirdly, in thinking of citizenship, we have this idea of dependence. Um, the world puts its trust in many things, doesn't it? People put their trust in their own ability um, to look after themselves, put their trust in money and riches, um, thinking that if they save up enough and they store up enough for themselves, they'll be okay. Um, they put trust in their work. They think if I'm doing a good job and I, I'm, I'm climbing the ladder or whatever it is, then, then I'll be okay. Or perhaps people will put their trust in friends and family, people who, who have good intentions for them, They'll think, well, these people will look after me and make sure I'm okay. We know that the reality is that um, the things of the world are fickle and there are ups and downs which no one, no one can control. And even with those close to us, those who, who love us and care for us, um, though they mean well, they can't always give us guarantees about our lives, can they? Colossians 3 and verses 2 to 4 is helpful for us as believers. It says, set your mind on the things above, not on the things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, is revealed, 
then you also will be revealed with him in glory. And it's that phrase, your life is hidden with Christ in God, that's important for us this morning. Um, As those who belong to God, our lives are hidden with Christ in God. And that idea of hidden has the sense of, of protection and safety. So we don't depend on things going our way in this world. As we said, there are lots of unpredictable things that can happen to us. But rather, we don't depend on them, but we know that our future is certain and it's untouchable because it's hidden with Christ in God. So the little challenge for us on that point is, do we rely on God day to day? If we are citizens of heaven, as we're claiming, do we call upon God to meet our needs before we call on the things of the world? So, fourthly, thinking of uh, being a citizen, we've thought of the fact that there are benefits of being a citizen. And in this country, we can say that we're very fortunate to have so much in the way of of benefits. And there are so many people, (laughs) tragically, who who are fleeing terrible conditions in other countries, fleeing wars and fleeing disasters, and are seeking to be, um, are seeking refuge in other countries. As citizens of heaven, we have access to something which is even greater than what this world can provide for us. Ephesians 1 and verse 3 says, Praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. So every spiritual blessing is ours. So what we have in Christ far outweighs the things of the world. And the question there for us is, what do we value most? Matthew 6 and verse 19 says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on on earth, where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So we've had that assurance in the Ephesians verse that what we have in Christ is every spiritual blessing. And so we have to ask ourselves, is that the thing that we value the most? Is that the thing that we're seeking to to enjoy and to treasure in our life? Or are we going after the things that ultimately will will not last? (coughs) So again, another challenge for us to value the things that we have in Christ. And then finally, on on the idea of citizenship, we have that sense of duty. The world is more polarised than ever, isn't it? Um, Be it politics, morality, or or sport, or various other things, we're urged to just pick a side and to just fight for that side. Seems to be no room for middle ground, no room for um, negotiation. It's it's pick a side, and that's your tribe, that's your your people. Um, We only have to look at events like the Capitol Hill riots of a few years ago to see just how quickly people can turn violent to defend their views and, and their, their team, if you like. When we look at Jesus' time here in this world, it's tempting for us to wander along a similar line, isn't it? Why didn't Jesus just come and set everything straight? There was so much injustice and inequality, so much corruption at the time, so much oppression of his own people even. Um, the Jewish people subject to that oppression under the Romans. So if if Jesus was such a a good person, then why didn't he intervene? Why didn't he come and and fix all these problems? Well, we know that Jesus came for a purpose, and that purpose was to deal with an issue which was far more serious than any of those things. 
we know that Jesus came to give himself as a sacrifice for our sins. So, as people who are not of this world, the same can be said of us. Just as Jesus didn't come to sort out all the political and social issues of his time, so we're not to get caught up in that mentality of of being um, political and and tribal and and all those kinds of things. Um, I saw a really good analogy for this. It's um, the idea of being at a train station. And we're at the station and we're waiting for the train going one way to heaven. And there are others around about us um, who are preparing to board the train going in the other direction. And it's the train going to eternal punishment. And the question in the analogy is, how are we going to spend our time? Are we going to spend it pleading with others to switch trains and to come to um, what we know is, is the train to heaven? Or are we going to spend our time cleaning up the station and making it a better place to be while we wait for, for the train? And of course, the answer is the first, isn't it? The former. We're to plead with those who, who we come into contact with to, um, to choose life and to choose God over the things of, of the world. So I just thought that was really helpful for us to think of um, when we consider the idea of um, going after social or political issues in this world. Um, sometimes it can be difficult for us as Christians, can't it, to know what to do. Are we to get involved and to, to try and sort everything out here? Well, we're to do our best, of course, to help those who are, who are vulnerable. But just as Jesus was fully focused on God's things and God's plans, so we're to be focused on doing what God wants us to do. And it's just a matter of keeping that perspective of, of the eternal things rather than the things of the world. So we've thought of the idea of being not of this world and being citizens of heaven. And this brings us on to the second of our just our statements, which is just as you have sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. And that's Jesus speaking, of course. So, although we've spent a lot of time thinking about the fact that we're not of this world, it's clear that we've been sent into the world. We're here, aren't we? We're here for um, however many years God has given us in this world. So it's important for us to remember, first of all, we're coming from the outside in. As those who are citizens of heaven, we're coming into the world from outside. So, We've been sent to the world, it says. I have sent them into the world. Well, what have we been sent to do? Perhaps the most immediate answer we can think of is is the Great Commission. In Matthew 28 and 19 and 20, Jesus says, just before he ascends to heaven, he says, Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. So straight away, that's the opposite of seclusion, isn't it? That's the opposite of cutting ourselves off from everyone. Perhaps when we think of this idea of being not of this world, we can go one of two ways. We can think, well, um, I'm determined not to be corrupted by the things of this world, so I'll cut myself off. Um, I won't have anything to do with the people of the world, and I'll live out my days um, just thinking on God's things. And there are many, as we know, who live in um, secluded um, places and, and monasteries and things like that who would, who would subscribe to that idea um, cut yourself off from anything to do with the world and then on the other side of, of the spectrum there's those who would say well I'm here to, to make a difference I'm here to influence the world as, as a good Christian person um, but perhaps some people will, will go to the other extreme and they'll dilute down their, their, um, their difference their not of this worldness if you like 
to the point where there's no, there's no sign or any kind of evidence that these people are, are different from, from the people of the world. So we have two extremes of the spectrum there. But rather, um, we're, to, we're to remember that whilst we're not of this world, we are called by, by Jesus to go and make disciples, as it says in those verses there. So what does it mean to make disciples of all nations? Well, it's first of all, of course, spreading the gospel, isn't it? Telling people of the good news that um, although we're sinners and there's no hope of us saving ourselves because of our sin, there is one who came and, and suffered and died for us, and that's Jesus. And telling people that he, he came and he died so that we could have our sins forgiven and he was raised again to defeat death once and for all. So we're spreading the gospel, and then it says in, in those verses, baptizing, which is a visible declaration that believers are turning away from the old ways of living to a new way. Um, turning their back on the world, now that they are born of God, as we've been thinking, citizens of heaven, um, we're to turn our backs on the, on the world that we, we once were a part of. It reminds us of that Colossians verse that we read earlier. You died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. So that's part of what it means when we're baptised, isn't it? To um, put our old self to death and to um, commit our life to Christ instead. So go and make disciples of all the nations, baptising them. And teaching them is the third part. Which for us as disciples is helping each other to serve God and just to know more about who God is. So that's the Great Commission. That's part of the reason why Jesus sent us into the world, to fulfill that Great Commission, to make disciples, to baptise and to teach. Um, the other aspect, again, thinking of that idea of separation. Um, in verse 17 of John 17, Jesus said, as we've read, Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. Well, what does it mean to be sanctified? Um, it means really set apart, doesn't it? The idea of being set apart. We read in verse 19 of John 17 that Jesus sanctified himself. He says, for them I sanctify myself, that they too may be truly sanctified. So that means that Jesus himself set himself apart for God to use him. And we know, looking back, that that ultimately meant that Jesus was to die on the cross. So it's the ultimate example of setting yourself aside, putting what you want aside and giving yourself to God for whatever purpose he has for you. We may set things apart in this life, perhaps sometimes we'll set money aside for a certain purpose, for example. Um, and it's the same when we consider ourselves for God's use, we're to set ourselves apart, which means being, being ready and being willing to serve whenever God calls us to. It means we're at God's disposal it's something that's really difficult for us to put into practice, isn't it? Um, I think I can say for myself and perhaps for, for the rest of us here as well, when we do something good for God, when we give time or resources to God, we have that feeling that we've done something really good and, and we feel that um, just perhaps we've, we've, we've given something that is ours originally, something that we owned and we've given it to God. But really, we, need, we should be remembering the verses in uh, 1 Corinthians 6 and verse 19. It says, you are not your own. You were bought with a price. 
So it's remembering um, when we, whenever we have those um, creeping in feelings of pride or, or thing, things like that. It's remembering that God has bought us. We're God's possession. We're set aside for God. Um, the song that we, we used to sing quite a lot says, My life is not my own. It's yours and yours alone. Is that something that we live by? Is that something that we truly believe? It's easy for us to, to think of our time as our own, isn't it? And to, to dedicate it to one thing or another as we see fit. But we're reminded that we're not our own. We're bought with a price. And so... It's for God to use us how he wants and for us to be willing and ready for that as it comes along. <clears throat> so that's part of what it means to be sanctified, is to be set apart. And then the other aspect is what we've been thinking about already um, this morning, not being of this world. So to sanctify ourselves, we have to consider that and to consider the words in Romans 12 and 2, which says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So again, not being conformed, but being transformed to be more like Jesus and um, moving away from the world's things and towards heavenly things. <clears throat> so as we thought, our kingdom is not of this world and we should live in such a way as to display the source of our life the one for whom we're set apart. Um, 1 Peter 1 and 15 says, But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, Be holy, because I am holy. There's another just as statement that's snuck in there. Um, I hope I'm not treading on anyone's toes. But um, just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. And so as with so much of our discipleship, we're to imitate Christ. Um, just as he who called you is holy, so be holy. So that's a, a clear challenge for us, isn't it? To be set apart, to not follow the things of the world and to be ready for God to use us because, of, because we're in that mindset of being set apart and being holy. So there we go. We're not of this world, but we're citizens of heaven and we're set apart and we're sent into the world um, by God to do the things that he wants us to do. Just to recap, um, we're not of this world, but citizens of heaven. And as a result, we're to be separate from the things of the world. We're not to conform, but we're to be transformed. We're sanctified, set apart for God's service. And although we're not of the world, we have been sent into it to be witnesses for Christ. And we're to follow that great commission that we've been thinking about, making disciples being holy just as he is holy and just being set apart and ready um, for God to use us as and when he wants to. Some difficult things in there for us. Um, we're so often of the mindset that we have free reign over our lives and we have choice to spend our time and our efforts however we want, but um, we're called to remember that we're set apart for God and we're, we're to be... Um, ready to do his will, and we're, we're sanctified for, for his service. Shall we pray? <clears throat>